uh, always, of course, request prayer. We know we can't do anything without God. But I want to do something. I don't usually do this. I usually like to exegete, exegete Scripture, which I'm going to exegete Scripture. But instead of just doing it the regular way I usually do it, I'm going to give you a text and just use it to hang a sermon on. I've just got an expression I want to use and then tell you how the sermon came about. I won't take too long, but I do believe it will be helpful. But I want to get an expression over in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, to kind of hang. My, I mean, yeah, verse 11 to kind of hang what I want to say on. And Paul says here in Second Corinthians 2.11, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we're not ignorant of his devices. I will talk about some of Satan's devices. We're not ignorant of his devices. I want to just use that for an idea. And this sermon came out kind of an unusual way. Uh, I do believe the Lord was in it, but I was reading a book on World War II. I like to read World War II history. I just kind of one of my hobbies. I was reading about the campaign in, uh, in Italy, which is a very, very arduous campaign. And at one time, they had a battle, what they called the Battle of the Rapido River, which was a disaster. The Allies assaulted this, trying to go across the Rapido River, just had horrendous casualties. And just is a, a huge mess, just very, very sad, just a slaughter. But as I was reading this book, a man talked about that they had poor leadership. But what brought, what, he said what brought about the poor leadership was this, and this really struck my, my fancy, so I began to do some studying on this, because we want to have good leadership in our battle against Satan. He said these commanders were affected by, he had four things. I added one thing to it, so I want to talk about those just a little bit. He said it was a combination of exhaustion, guilt, regret, and despondency, and I added fear to it. I added that myself. He said the reason that these men did not leave the troops well, and one reason why we may not fight against Satan well is, he said it's a combination, he thought, this writer did of exhaustion, guilt, regret, despondency, and like I say, I added fear. So let's talk about exhaustion first of all. You know, we're, we're human beings. And our, uh, we're affected by our, our physical makeup. Let me give you a scripture to start off with over in Luke chapter 2, verse 52. This is not original with me. I heard a sermon many, many, many years ago about this. It stuck with me. A lot of sermons don't stick. I've had heard this sermon 40 years ago, maybe more than 40. might have been 50, but it stuck with me. And this man was making a great point from Luke chapter 2, verse 52. It's talking about Christ's manhood, of course. It's amazing, really, because we know Christ is the God-man. It's kind of hard to explain things sometimes. We know as God, he was totally... Uh, perfect and completed. He was a man too, but as man, this is an interesting verse. Let me, let me just read it to you. Luke 2.52, talking about Jesus Christ. And he increased, there's four things here, in wisdom, in stature, in favor with God and man. Think about that. He increased in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and man. And this preacher made a great point. He said, you know, there's four aspects here he's talking about. Well, number one, mentally, that's wisdom. Uh, number two is stature, that's physical. Number three, number three favor with God, that's spiritual. Favor with man, that's social. And the point he made was, if we get any of these out of whack, you're going to affect the others. That's the truth. If, if we're messed up physically, and I'm going to show you in a minute, we can, that can affect, affect us spiritually. Uh, if our mind's not working right, that's going to affect us in other ways. If my body's not working right, that can very well affect me in other ways. We need to be aware of that because Satan is a dirty fighter. Uh, and if I'm having trouble with some individual, social, that's going to affect me also in a spiritual way. So these all work together. So just ponder that verse sometime. Just, just as if that's all the verse I gave you, it'd be worth coming together this afternoon. Think about those four things that Jesus increased in wisdom and stature, faith with God, faith with man. Let's talk about exhaustion first of all. And I'm going to make a point here. George Mueller, the great man we love to read about, the great prayer warrior, uh, read quite a bit about Mueller. And he made a statement that he said the worst trouble he had with the devil was two times when he was very, very tired and lost sleep. He had trouble, or he was traveling in a different environment. Because when we're in a regular environment, we're just careful to uh, maintain like uh, we want to behave ourselves. 
uh, I get in a, in a hostile environment, I might be, I mean, in an unfamiliar environment, away from home, I might be tempted to do something I don't usually do. I shouldn't, of course, but we might be tempted. So uh, he said, Mueller said that when I'm lost a lot of sleep and when I'm tired, because he's a great Christian, great prayer warrior, the devil really assaults me. The devil is a dirty fighter. So let's look, first of all, very interesting, in First Kings, and I'm going to read you just a few verses, and this is the story you already know this about Elijah. Elijah was a great man of God. He uh, stood up against all those priests of Baal. But he went through a lot. When he did that, he, he actually slew 450 men with his own hand. That must be pretty tough. And he had this tremendous uh, contest with, with, with the priests of Baal. And uh, so anyway, though, you'd think Elijah, what a brave man he is. But we find out, though, even though he's a brave man who made this incredible stand, when, when Jezebel challenges him, he melts. He just wilts. And I think, and we're going to see what God's cure was. God, God, it's an interesting cure. So we've got to remember, we're real tired. We're going through a lot. We need to be very careful. The devil is a dirty fighter. He might really jump into the time like that. Let's read this over here. Maybe a husband and wife, you know, when they're tired, they might argue with each other too much. Maybe they'll just be in it and go take a nap and then talk later. I mean, serious about that. Um, you know, seriously, we're, that's what we are. We're, just, we're human. we got to realize we're human beings. We live in a, in a frail. We're, we came from dust. We're going to return to dust. We're just frail. That's all there is to it. So anyway, over in 1 Kings 19, let's just read these first eight verses. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and withal how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So do the gods to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them for the morrow about this time. When he saw that, he arose and went for his life. Think, here's this brave, godly man. He just takes off. He just turns uh, cowardly and starts running for this woman. Even though God had sustained him in a mighty way, as he had challenged the priest of Baal, the fire from heaven had come down. He came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die. Isn't that amazing? This man who had had this great triumph now, I wish I were dead. You ever felt that way? You know, we made a challenge sometime. That we just, well, I wish I was dead. And so, <laughs> it's not funny, but, you know, it's just amazing. This brave man, I wish I was dead. Uh, and he said, it's enough, O Lord. Take away my life. I am not better than my father's. As he lay and slept under a juniper tree, Behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and get your Bible out and read four or five Bible studies. No, no, the King James doesn't say that. I'm trying to be a little bit funny here, but what did he, what did he say do? Hey, you arise and eat. He hadn't eaten. He hadn't eaten. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals, and cruise of water at his head. He did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel came the, the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat for forty days and forty nights until Horeb went to the Mount of God. So he needed to sleep and eat. And that's what we need to do sometimes. Maybe we're having a hard time with somebody and we, we haven't taken care of our physical body. Maybe you drink too much coffee. That's the way I am sometimes. Drink too much coffee and get kind of on a high. So that's, that may sound mundane, but it's not mundane. That's the way we're made up. All right, let's look over at Christ now. Uh, being the God-man and the devil's a dirty fighter, like I said, he did not jump Jesus Christ until he was weak physically. So that's the, he'll do it the same way. So let's read Matthew 4, 1 through 3. Very familiar. I know you know where I'm going. Uh, Matthew 4, 1 through 3. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. When he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights and was after and hungered, because he was a human being, the God-man. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. So he's going to hit us when we're weak. We need to remember that. And we also will have more pity on other people. Maybe there sometimes have an off day. You know, we're hard on each other, aren't we? We, expect, we, we want to be okay, but we, don't, we, want every, we, we, we want people to be tolerant of us, but we don't want to be tolerant of them. Sometimes we need to be real, you know, maybe he just had a bad day. So I've got, got to be tolerant of him. We need to be tolerant of each other. And finally, I'm glad God knows this, our dear friends. We have a wonderful God, a wonderful Lord. Praying, I'm so glad he's the way he is. He's a wonderful God. 
And so it says this over in Psalm 103, uh, verses 13 14. Like a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. He knoweth our frame. He remembereth we're dust. We're just dust. The next time you get to feeling kind of, you know, proud of yourself, remember what my father, the ministry brother, Hassel Wallace said. We come to church, he said, folks, we're just a bunch of dressed up dust. So that's really what we are. And so remember that our Father, thank God, pities us. He knows our frame. We need to pity each other. If the Lord can pity us, we need to pity each other. So number one, sometimes it's exhaustion. We know that's a, that's a weapon the devil can use against us. Let's not be ignorant of his devices. And the, next, the next was guilt. We need to learn how to handle guilt. I'm going to show you how to handle guilt. You know how to handle it, but I'm going to show you how to handle it. People feel guilty. And so I'm going to show you a couple of examples of people feeling guilt. And if I am guilty, I'm going to make some bad decisions. I've got to learn how to resolve it the right way. Well, Proverbs 21, 28.1 says this. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 1. The wicked flee when no man pursueth, the righteous are bold as a lion. And I've been there. You know, if you're guilty of something, you just kind of expect um, something to happen to you. And, you're, you're, you're going to, and so the devil wants us to have guilt, to have unresolved guilt, because then we're not going to be strong. But when we're righteous, and I'll give you an example of a man who did stand. Uh, this same Elijah one time, when his conscience was good, he stood. You remember this same Elijah? Uh, had prayed, had not rained for three years and six months in his prayer. God allowed, uh, honored that prayer. So Ahab faces him. And you know what Ahab said? Art he that troubleth Israel? Well, I guarantee you, if Elijah had been guilty, he said, Oh, I'm sorry, I, I guess I am troubled Israel. He didn't do it. He turned it back on him. He said, No, I have not troubled Israel. You've troubled Israel by your disobedience. That's a paraphrase, but that's what he was saying. So when you're, when you're not guilty, you stand. But so the devil knows that. So he wants us to have guilt. Then we won't be able to stand. We'll just fold up. Uh, and I'll give you an example, and guilt can be there for a long time. Look at Joseph's brothers in Genesis chapter 42. We know what they did about their brother. It was very bad. And it had been many, many years since that had happened. So you might think, well, we forgot about that. Maybe God forgot about it, but he, of course, doesn't forget about anything. And so when finally they do come to e- Egypt, and Joseph is, they don't know who Joseph is yet, uh, but that's when they had the incident of the uh, money being found in their bag, and they're kind of afraid. And so they're talking to each other. Here's what they say in Genesis chapter 42, verse 21. And they said one to another, now this is, remember this happened, I think it was 13 years ago when this happened. Uh, and they said one to another, uh, is it 13 or 17, I forgot now, I think it's 13. And they said one to another, we are barely guilty concerning our brother, in that we saw the anguish of his, his soul, he, and he besought us, and we would not hear. Therefore, is this distress come upon us? So what I'm saying is we cannot make good decisions when we're guilty, right? So how do we handle it? You know how to handle it, don't you? First John 1, 9, that's the way to handle it. It's not trying to do shenanigans, not trying to... You know, do something fancy. Here's what we do. How do you handle guilt? It's a beautiful. Thank God for it. First John 1, if we confess our sins, and that means you really mean it. Homiligo, you really do mean it. You agree with God about how guilty you are. If we confess our sins, get this verse. If you don't have this verse, then get it down. Lots of times when I'm taking a shower, I'll say this verse, because I like to feel clean when I take a shower. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's how you get rid of guilt. Now, I want to make a statement about that, Okay. The Bible says that we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, let's just say this. Let's say I have sinned, and I to confess it, and I really mean it, but I don't feel any better. So God has not forgiven me. Well, I've got to give Jay Adams credit for what I'm going to tell you. I think he's right about this. Adam said, well, uh, let's just say, I'm going to say I don't smoke. I'm going to say I've been smoking, okay? And I'm thinking I'm, I'm, I feel bad. It hurt my body. I'm going to use that for example, all right? So I confess, Lord, that's wrong for me to smoke. I, please forgive me. I've damaged the temple of the Holy Spirit. But I don't, feel, I don't feel good about it. So God has not forgiven me. I don't feel forgiven. But the Bible says that when I confess, he does forgive. So here's what Adam says. He says, really what's happening there is it's not that God has not forgiven you. You don't trust yourself. 
The longer you stay away from that sin, the more you'll trust yourself. Then you will feel better about it. He's right about that, I believe. I believe that the instant we really confess our sin to God about something, I mean it. I believe God forgives us. But then we don't we don't have that confidence in ourselves. And we if we stay away from that sin long enough, I believe we get more confidence in that. So number two, then we have we have exhaustion and guilt. Then what about regret? We've all got regrets. Uh, there's things our past could run us if we let it. What we have to do is, if there's something we can rectify, we ought to do it. If there's something we confess, we ought to confess it. Then we need to forget it because they can drag us down. You think about this. If the Apostle Paul had that regret bother him, he would never have been able to function. He remembered stoning Stephen to death. He remembered that. He didn't actually throw the stones, but he consented to his death. You think about that. Stephen, I've often wondered, Lord, uh, what a team this would have been. Can you imagine Paul and Stephen? My, my, what a team. But see, God didn't say fifthly that he had Stephen serving God a different way. He died a martyr's death. I bet Paul thought about that. Man, this is a wonderful preacher, Stephen. And I, myself, have killed him. But, of course, God forgave him. He, but, but if he had thought about that, he could never have functioned. So, what we got, so Paul himself wrote about that. So we, that's how we have to have a regret. I've got a sister in our church. I love my sister so much, this good sister. She's one of the best members of our church, but she lets the past torment her. See, when she was a young woman and she had some boys, she was on drugs for a while. So she neglected those boys. But many, many years later, she repented of that. I mean, I mean, many years ago, she repented of that. She's lived an exemplary life, and some of the boys still have some problems, but it's really not her fault. I mean, she might have hurt some things then, but this, their, that's their responsibility. But sometimes she gets these incredible feelings of guilt. She just can't hardly function. I say, you, you, gotta, you can't do that. There's the devil on you about that. You've done all you can do. You've repented of that. You, you, you did a good job bringing those boys up after you repented. And so you cannot keep doing that. The devil torments her. So here's what we have to do. Look over in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. Brethren, Philippians 3, 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but there's one thing I do. Get this. Forgetting those things that are behind, reaching forth into the things which are ahead, I press toward the mark, the pride of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's what we got to do. Forget the past. Like I said, if we can do something about it, do it. But if we can't, if we've done all we can do, we got to see the devil wants to put that around our neck and hold us back. We would never be able to make it if we had let regret uh, bother us. And I love what the Lord said about a woman, about that. Look over in John chapter 8. This is a woman taken into adultery, the very act. That could have uh, hindered her the rest of her life if she had thought about that. But Christ told her something very important in John 8, verse 11. You remember the story about how that this woman was taken and these Pharisees brought her to Christ and said she ought to be stoned to death. We remember that story. Then the Lord uh, began to write. He said, he that's without guilt, let him cast the first stone. He began to write in the, in the ground. And then finally, when the Lord looked up, all those men had gone. And uh, so he said, does nobody condemn you? She said, no man, Lord. And here's what Christ said then in John 8, verse 11. She said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. So forget the past, but go and sin no more. So don't let regret get us. So exhaustion and uh, regret and, uh, and, uh, and, and, and guilt. Let's don't, but also, sometimes we just get despondent. We just get down. Maybe something bad has happened. Or maybe we just feel despondent. And so this writer said, well, that's what happened. Really, those men on the Rapido River, they just got despondent. They had some setbacks. They got despondent. Well, we do have setbacks sometimes. So I told a brother this not long ago. Let me give you my favorite scripture on that. And by the way, we can, we can help each other out on this. I'm going to show you that also. We can help each other. We ought to help each other out. But over in 1 Samuel 30, let me tell you about a terrible jam David got into. It looks like and you may get into what seemed to be an impossible jam, so you get despondent. Well, here's what happened. David had gone off. Uh, on a military expedition. He's in the Philistines' country. While he's gone, a bunch of Moabites come, and they kidnap his whole family, and all the families of all his soldiers, and, and they carry off everything. And so the men, these are grown men now, these are warriors, but they were so down, the Bible says they cried 
So there's no strength left in them. They were weeping, sobbing. Have you ever been that sorry? These guys were really, they were, they were broken hearted. They thought they were, we'll never see our wives again, never see our children again. It's all over. And sometimes we think that. The devil paints the worst picture he can possibly paint. It's all over. And not only that, David really got in trouble. His own men were so distressed, they didn't talk about stoning him to death. They're all later, like they're blaming him for it. So you know what he did? There's the only thing he could do, friends. He couldn't, God had to do it. But here's what he did do over in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved for every man, for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. That's all he could do. That's all he could do sometimes. Encourage yourself in the Lord. And you know what God did? This beautiful authority. He didn't lose a single individual. They pursued those old Wolbites. They were having a big old drunken party, and they just went in there and slaughtered them and got everything back. It was okay. And so sometimes that's the way it is. We, the devil makes it look so bad, there's no way out. He specializes in that. And you know what? I'll tell you the truth. Sometimes there is no way out for us. Uh, Andy White preached up there at Great Chapel last week, and he literally believes this, and I do too. I literally believe what it said in John fifteen five. Without, I want you to finish this for me. Without me, you can do nothing. See, we forget that sometimes. We've got a pretty good handle on things sometimes. We thought I can handle this until I get a real bad. Brother, we can't handle anything. We need to be obedient to God, and he encouraged himself and the Lord. That's all we can do sometimes. Just get before God and put your, pour your heart out to God. He heard our cries. And God can bring solutions sometimes. They're astounding. We know we serve the Lord that Paul said in Ephesians 3.20. Now to him is able to exceed abundantly above all we're able to ask or even think. That's the kind of God we serve. So despondency. And let me tell you how we can help each other. Let me give you a couple examples, one example about that at least. Uh, I want to give you two examples of how we need to encourage each other. Well, we, God uses us to help each other. Over in Acts chapter 28, verse 15, this is the Apostle Paul coming off his uh, coming to Rome after they had that big shipwreck experience in the 27th chapter of Acts. And he'd been on this, he, he was a prisoner going to Rome to see Nero and appealed to Caesar. And so here we come at this long, arduous journey of all these adventures. And the Apostle Paul, we think he's a superman sometimes. He's not a superman. He's just a great man, but he's a human being like we are. He, he, he got down just like we do. He got depressed like we do. He got lost just like we do. So he said in Acts chapter 28, verse 15, And from thence the brethren heard of us. They came to meet us as far as Epi Forum and the three taverns, whom when Paul saw, he thanked God and took courage. He saw some of his old Christian friends. And he, he saw them. He thanked God. He took courage. Sometimes we had to cheer each other up. Let's remember that. I got something in my Bible written in here somewhere. It says something like this. It says, be, be kind to everybody because everybody's fighting something. I believe that. You know, we hide behind facades. It said, be kind to everyone. You know, one time, I, this is basically kind of funny to you, but it wasn't a big deal. But one time I just got depressed about it. I don't know what I'm depressed about. I just down. The devil didn't work on me, I guess. I, I like to walk for exercise. I went down to Galloway Golf Course just to walk one day. I'm just down, Lord of Snake. And I was walking, and I saw a stranger I've never have seen before since. And he smiled at me, and just this warm smile said, Hey, old buddy, uh, it's a great day, isn't it? And you know what? Instantly I was changed. Just that one thing. We can do that sometimes each other. We don't know when we're going to help somebody out. Let me tell you another story about uh, uh, how we can help each other out. Uh, Judy's got an aunt that her husband left her, and he got really, really down. I mean, she got really, really down. And uh, so she went down to Little Rock to a hotel, uh, she decided, I'm going to commit suicide. I'm going to take me some pills. I'm, I can't take, take this anymore. So in God's providence, she decided to go to the coffee shop on the first floor. One last cup of coffee, up to my room, take the pills. Some woman was alert and saw her countenance was not what it should be. She said, honey, there's something wrong. She poured her heart out to her and saved her life. We don't know when we may do that. We can help each other out. So down over, you know, also in the second Corinthians chapter 7, 
uh, Paul also mentions about how somebody helped him to not be despondent. For when we were come into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Without were fightings, within were fears. Nevertheless, God, that comforteth those that are cast down, comforted us by the coming of Titus. That's how God comforted him. He used Titus to come comfort the apostle Paul. So we can help each other out. So the final one that I added to this mix, we had the mix that I've read in the book here with exhaustion, guilt, and regret. I want to also add fear because we do have great fears. That's one of my great uh, battles I have with fear. I just kind of got fearful nature. And so one of my favorite scriptures is over in 2 Timothy 1.7. Uh, let me give you a scripture too on this. This is probably my favorite scripture on this particular thing because the devil uses it. We get, we're not ignorant of his devices. Sometimes we have irrational fears. Uh, so I'll read you 2 Timothy 1.7. This is Paul's last letter, by the way. And um, he's fixed to die a martyr's death. He's upbeat. He's upbeat. In fact, I want to just say this while I'm at it. I recommend if you ever get down, read Second Timothy. Here's why I say read that. A man's come to the end of his life. He's had a good, faithful life. But it looks like he's a failure. He's not a failure at all, but he looks like it. Uh, many people had turned against him. He said, all they in Asia have turned away from me in the first chapter. Many churches he had started had turned away from him. Uh, Demas the, the Coppersmith has called me a lot of trouble. He, he had many, many people, who, and, so, and he's fixing to die, evidently, according to historians, a martyr's death at the hand of the perverted emperor Nero. But he's really upbeat. He's really upbeat. He, he knows he's fixing to go see the Lord. He's got a good conscience. He said, the time of my departure is at hand. The time of my departure, get that? Not my annihilation, my departure. He said, I fought a good fight. He said, I've, I've, I've run my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, I let it for me a crown of righteousness with the Lord, the righteous judge, who gave me at that day. Not to me only, all, to all of them also. They love his appearing. But Timothy here, the young preacher, needs some fortitude. He saw his father ministry fixed to die a martyr's death. He saw the persecution Christians are undergoing then. So he said, Timothy, I'm going to tell you something. Look at this. Second Timothy 1 7. God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, of a sound mind. And that word sound mind really means a controlled mind. You see what happens sometimes with our fears, with our mind just get out of control. We need to write it in with the word of God. Say, hey, wait a minute now. I can't let my Thoughts just go. I've got to bring my thoughts in by God's word and find scripture to do that. God has not given us the spirit of fear, power, love, and a sound mind. A couple more scriptures on fear, we'll be through. First John four eighteen. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We need to really immerse ourselves in God's love, which is incomprehensible, unconditional, and permanent. And let's let's, let's see what Paul said about that. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As written, for thy sake we have killed all the day long. We're counted sheep to slaughter. Nay, in all these things we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. I am persuaded neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we need to immerse ourselves in his love. And finally, here's what I want us to hear in our heart. Here's what we need to hear in our heart. I'm glad Christ said this. I love this. Okay, over in the 14th chapter of Matthew, and the disciples were very afraid. They had the, you know, the all-time getting the Sea of Galilee and some of those big waves and stuff. But I love what Christ said, and I want him to say this to your heart and my heart often, to say this. I love what he said here. Let's hear him say this to us, because he does to his children. But straightway, Jesus saith, speaking to them, saying, get this, be of good cheer. It is I, be not afraid. Isn't that beautiful? Have good cheer. It's I. Be not afraid. So, my friends, let's remember, without ignorance of Satan's devices, he'll try to get us on exhaustion, guilt, regret, despondency, and fear. 
And we got weapons against all these by his precious word and spirit. May the Lord bless you.